calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Yo, what's up? It's Junior Sanchez, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. We talk about how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2020. I'm very excited to bring you an interview I caught live in Amsterdam with Junior Sanchez. Uh, We were out at the Amsterdam dance event, ADE, for anybody that's involved in any way in dance music or even a fan of dance music, you should definitely be in Amsterdam every um whenever that is i think it's october uh it's a great time and um i had the rare opportunity to catch up with junior he's a dj that i've been following for a long time i love his music and his whole get down and uh and we had a great conversation about his career about um how he's really always challenged the status quo he's been a rebel amongst rebels um even uh you know showing his contemporaries how you can go outside of boundaries of genres of um you know just really challenge what um what everybody's used to so it's a great interview i'm excited to share it with you here and let's get into it right after our edm.com track of the week track of the week that was Addo Woods with fuck well he spells it F-C-K but I think you know what it's all about anyway if you like that one get over to EDM.com check out more new music and let's get into my interview right now with Junior Sanchez I 
appreciate you making time. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of your music for years. Oh, and um, I appreciate that. And you know, I really appreciate your perspective on on art and you know, kind of why you do what you do and and all that. So I'm excited to, to dig in a little bit. What? Um, so t- take me back to the beginning. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? I do, actually. Um, there's a lot of records that came to my life as a young kid. I'm sure. My, I'm the youngest of six siblings, so. But the one that I personally bought was a bootleg of Acid Crash, and the other side was a freestyle record called. Uh, it was Trilogy. The group mm-hmm. was called Trilogy, and it was called something hot. I remember. I, 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 would, I didn't get it for that. I got it for Acid Crash, Tyreek. Okay. Tyreek Cooper. And that was the first record, house record that I bought, and that kind of like... Uh, that was 1987 or something. So you were into house from the very beginning. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up. Youngest, I mean, the beginning of, of, of you. My, of my, yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up young as a six, right. and they all had their own style. So my one of my brothers was into like industrial, like KMFDN, mm-hmm. Bolton Cox, and Ministry, and you know, and then my sister was into like you know Boston and ELO and <laughs> right. Jeff Lynne, like, and, and my other brother was into hip hop. You know, like Slick like Rick. So everyone yeah. had their thing. Yeah. So I got influenced by all of them, so I loved all that stuff. But when I first heard Acid Crash or house music, that was yeah. me. That's so that cool. was my sound print and my blueprint. I was like, all right, this is me. You guys got all this. This is what I got. Because mm-hmm. my other brother passed away. He was into, like, you know, Depeche Mode and New Wave and Pet Shop Boys and, uh, like, early freestyle. Sure. So that was his thing. And, and, and he liked house music as well. But, you know, he was leaning more towards all the new wavy stuff and the freestyle stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the house really, you know, that was like, this is mine. I discovered it. Right. It wasn't you guys introducing me, you know. And <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sure. That was yeah, since, since then. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, music, I think especially at that time, is such a big part of your identity. You know, the way you dress, the way you talk, the, like your stuff, whatever. And so you're in this household with everybody with their own different styles. And uh, yeah. it must have been an interesting dinner table. Yeah, I mean, and they all bought vinyl because there was right. the format to For buy. Sure. And it wasn't even because they were DJs. It was just, that was the format. You bought cassettes, vinyl. They all bought vinyl because it was cool and right. normal. And they all had record players. Yeah. So when they left home and they wound up leaving, they just didn't take the records. Mm-hmm. You know, they all just, they left them. So I just winded up pretty early on with a massive eclectic collection of That's music. That's amazing. You know, so, you know, I would have stacks of the Smiths and stacks of this and that and and I just continued to add to it as I got older. Yeah. And then I learned how to DJ mixing those records. So sure. I would mix, you know, whether it be my mother's Latin records or Brazilian records with New Wave records or, yeah. you know, KMFDM, Depeche Mode, and I would be mixing them. So yeah. I learned to mix early on with that style. And then that perfected my the way I mixed it and pitching mm-hmm. and hearing. Mm-hmm. It actually helped me with my tuning of my ears because I would know beforehand what record would go with the sure. record because yeah. you wouldn't wait to the end right because you you're kind of blending music right so if you you know yeah you would sure. just kind of kind of figure out the key in your head it was weird like mm-hmm. you kind of knew that and well i did and um yeah that helped me a lot early on did you who introduced you to djing 
Um, so, yeah, so when I was in middle school, I had a friend, and he was the first friend that I knew that had a setup. Like, mm. a, it was like Gemini setup, mm -hmm. uh, belt drive, yep. with like the knob, you know, the, the wheel. Yeah, pitch, yeah. I yeah, remember that. thumb, yeah. He had that setup, and I started DJing then, right? And then in 1988, my brother comes over to introduce his, his wife now they've been together forever at the time his, his girlfriend to my mom and her it's gonna sound complicated but it's not but her brother-in-law's brother that's the simplest way i can put it God, I, used, I used to say her sister's husband's brother <laughs> brother-in-law's brother yeah i get it was a producer and he he his name at the time he had a record out called fly death Dots. it was like a huge Latin freestyle mm. record talking about titties. Mm -hmm. he, he, it was, he, he had like the voice of like Tony Montana. Like, Yo, oh, you know, it was a big New York club record. Yeah. And he named by his, he went by the moniker Jose Chinga. It was on Basement Records. Mm -hmm. And then he produced a lot of freestyle. And then he went on and did some house stuff. Uh, he did Joey Kid, everything. All these, all these like cool mm -hmm. freestyle New York records. And I knew the record. I was like, because it was a big ass record talking about titties. Right. So everybody was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, that's your, that I want to meet him. Of course. I'm like, 11, I think. Yeah. And I asked my mom if I could. So my brother lived with her brother in law at the time before they got married in his basement. Um, so, and they lived in Newark. So I was like, can I go spend time with my brother and meet this guy? My mom said, yeah, if you go to church every Sunday, so you, you can you know, do your thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know confirmation I don't know what it was something like that and um, I said yeah so I would go spend the weekends with him and lo and behold Tony the Tony studio the guy that did that record was in the basement that's the first time I saw a studio and I hung out with him he didn't treat me like a kid he right. kind of like you know I would hang out with him to and it was the weekend so it's two three four in the morning he's mm -hmm. making music and I'm just looking at him do stuff and he gave me my first crate of records he went through his doubles and all this stuff mm -hmm. and just little by little it was like a whole summer I was there and he compiled the crate and he said here you go right. and that was my first real crate of records and and that's when I got the bug and he, he plays a part in in my first production years later as well funny enough oh okay yeah nice yeah, I mean, you seem to have a lot of people that you connected with really early on, from Armand, yeah. uh, Harry Romero, yeah. um, that, you know, I'm sure helped you in certain ways, you helped them. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, there, is there something, is there a secret to, to connecting with people? I was just out all the time. Yeah. I remember when I met Armand, I met him in Boston at a rave, so I was going, I went to a rave in Boston, like one of those colors rave, like mm -hmm. blue, red, green, mm -hmm. you know, I think it was Tom, uh, Tom Mello. Okay. Rave. And I went to a rave and he was playing, he was going by the name DJ Aviate, because mm. that was his label, Aviate. Records. Right, right, right. So he wasn't even on Robin Heldon, but he had like certain records out on Aviate, Pirates Caribbean, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. So 
I knew him, his music at least, and he was DJing, and I was at the time hustling. I was selling shirts. I would, I would take like the Burger King logo and put, and it would say Disco King, and just sell him in raves. And I gave. He was like, Yo, I like that shirt. I gave him a shirt, yeah. and he was like, Yo, I'm moving to New York. At this time, blah blah blah. Let's exchange numbers. And he's older than me. He's, a, he's yeah, he's about eight or nine years older. Than me. And um, he was like, "Here's my number." And at that time, it was like literal physical number. Like, call me on a piece of paper. Whatever, yeah. yeah. He's like, "I'll call you when." He said, "You know, give me a number. I'll call you when I move to New York." Right. So he did. He actually called me. I remember being at my brother's house and. I get a call because I, I think I gave him my, that number because I was there all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I checked the voicemail at my house and he left a message on the voicemail and I called him back. And, um, and he was like, Yo, I'm having a party. You see, he moved to New York already. He, he, he was there for a few months. Mm-hmm. So it was the first time he called me. Oh, he didn't cool. call me as soon as he came. He just right. got settled in. He found a place. And, uh, yeah. He said, like, I'm having a party. I want to invite you. I'm here. I'm in New York now. The party he had, he lived in his loft on near the music building on 30th Street, and he had two roommates. One now works as a radio dude named John the Horse McMahon's, like a, a radio guy, I think for Interscope or something. Oh, okay. John, and then uh, some other dude was like a photographer, so they all shared a room, and his room was in this old fur vault, so the door was like this crazy-ass heavy door. Let me tell you about our sponsor, HoneyBook. I know a lot of you started your own businesses or you're thinking about it. You got your side hustle. You, you're an entrepreneur. You're the CEO. But uh, if, it's your, if it's your company and you're, you're just starting out, you're, you're also going to be the accountant, the marketing manager, the assistant. Uh, you got to do it all. And if you don't, it doesn't get done. And I know that's not why you started your business. I can say that for myself. I started to bring ideas into the world and yet we get stuck with all this minutia so uh, to help you you need HoneyBook it's an online business management tool that organizes all your client communications bookings contracts invoices all in one place you can sync it up with your Google Suite your MailChimp your QuickBooks or whatever other tools you use and uh, and it helps you automate all, all that busy work there's templates there's um, uh, it's just a great system for for getting more done with less time, let you focus on the stuff that you really want to be doing uh, and control your business. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit HoneyBook.com rebel. Payments flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com rebel for 50% off your first year. That's HoneyBook.com rebel. Anyway, so I go to this party. His loft was probably as big as his room right yeah. now. Um, and, yeah, a little bit more. And uh, it was wall-to-wall people in there, you know, between mm-hmm. all of them inviting who they knew, mm-hmm. right? So it was an eclectic group of people, but Gladys was there, Pizarro from Strictly Rhythm, Roger, Roger Sanchez was there. All these people were there, you know, and I walked into Armand's room, and uh, I see Roger and Armand's at that time his baby's mom sitting on the bed and she's crying and I'm like yo what's, what's up what's going on like why is she crying he goes oh she just found out Roger did love dancing and I was just like oh shit and <laughs> that was emotional because I'm like damn man look, look how these 
how people affect people, you know, yeah. like records affect people, you know. Sure. So she's meeting Roger for the first time. That that record connected her so much. She started dancing. Plus, they're probably all in ecstasy. Uh-huh. So it was like that. And I wasn't. So right. I was walking in completely so into a room full of emotion, sure. you know. So Armand had, you know, grabbed me from the neck and it was like, scratched my, like, give me a noogie in the head. And Gladys was coming in and he was like, this is the next kid right here. And I, and she looks at me, she was like, all right, come to my office, bring me some music and bring me on a DAT, on mm-hmm. no cassettes. And I turned her hand later, I'm like, yo, what's, what's a DAT, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I go and I'm like, I take that, to me, I was just like focused. And I go to my friend who was the musical director of, or he ran the music for his college, for Montclair State University. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, we got tons of those and nobody uses them, that machines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like in the back, he's like, that literally two racks full of Panasonic 3700s. Yep. Just, mm-hmm. and I just go there with a screwdriver. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Take one. He was like, just, I don't know, right. go. I took one, one that was like, one, one thing was true. I should have just took another one. It was so many. But I'm fixated on this one. I'm bending the ear of it. That was the one, man. That was the one. And uh, I took that one and I made my first records. And I remember bringing it to Gladys and she yeah. signed them. Yeah. And my thought mentality by then, it wasn't even about, I'm going to be a superstar DJ. I was going to fly around the world. I was gonna move. No, I was like, she gave me a check. I'm like, yo, $1,200. I think it was like twelve or 1500 I'm like, yo, I can open a bank account. I can kind of find my own place if I do one of these a month mm-hmm. I can live yeah I could, like you know at the time as a kid sure. I mean I'm young sure. that's it that was my only thought of of success yeah. it wasn't there was no like preconceived notion of like I'm gonna be this thing yeah we weren't doing it for those reasons we were just doing it because we loved it and we just wanted to survive so what is it now how do you define success now happiness straight up being happy Okay. That's real for me at this point and where I am in my life yeah. is happiness. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not about repeating myself to achieve ex- what I achieved already. So, mm-hmm. you know, I look at what I've done, fantastic, cool with the accolades, but um, I'm not into just repeating myself kind of growth. Yeah. Um, quality, I like to make sure that I make music that is, you know, from my soul, from the heart. For sure. And just, and that's all I can do, you know? And yeah. if people resonate, with, if it resonates with people, awesome. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. You know, so. I saw a quote you said that uh, art is about re- being a rebel. Yeah. Um, which is part of, you know, why you're a great fit for this show. Yeah. Uh, it's called Rebel Radio, yeah. and we talk to people that are rebels. And so I wonder, do you, um, do you ever catch yourself kind of getting stuck in, in your comfort zone? And, and what do you do to, to push yourself out of that? Man, you know, it's, it's funny because I've always been my worst enemy with that. Like, my Achilles heel is getting bored too quickly. Mm-hmm. And that caused a big problem for my career, I think, early on. Because I was just, like, constantly trying to find something mm. else. Yeah. And then, so if everyone was putting down guitars and picking up turntables, I was like, I, I'm going to pick up that guitar. <laughs> and so, but people, right. so they were just catching up and I'm moving on. Not to say yeah. I'm like this prolific head thinker. I just, it was just my problem that I was constantly like on something and then 
by the time I was tired of it, people were catching up to that. And I'm like, right. okay, I'm on to this next thing. I should just stay there. But I think that's you know? the challenge of, of artists, right, is that um, you're so close to the music that you, you want to evolve faster than your audience can keep up. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it might be you might be bored with it. I think but it's you've a, heard yeah. the song five thousand times. They've only heard it ten, ten times. times. You know but it's mean? a maturity thing too. I think. For I sure. Think when you're young, you're rebel. You're you're more rebellious, and you yeah. just want to do things, and you're not necessarily thinking about the aesthetic of it and how mm-hmm. good it, it is. You just want to do it. Right. Without thinking, because punk rock to me is a mentality. It's not a it's not a form of music. Right. Like you, and people misconstrue that all the time. Sure. Uh, you can be a flute player. And beat the shit out of somebody That's pretty punk You know It's an attitude <laughs> That's right What you put into something So yeah. You know Early on when we listened to Kerry Chandler And his kick drums On those deep records That was punk For mm-hmm. house people mm-hmm. Because me and Armand was like Yo his kicks are so tough And they're different than The traditional Deep house producers right. At the time Inspired us to go, damn, we shouldn't make house records, but you know what all the American New York producers are doing? Let's not do what they're doing. Let's mm-hmm. sample German techno mm-hmm. and make New York house records and sign it to Strictly Root. Wow. Like, that was our thought process. Like, let's take from the shit that nobody's doing here yeah. and and slow it down. Because mm-hmm. that's what we do. We would take techno records and just, you know, pitch it way down and play mm-hmm. it with. Louis records mm-hmm. Master Network records and yeah. that's why he was already cr- criticized at first in the beginning in the beginning, beginning people didn't really like Armand stuff because it was different sure. you know? so it's, they were like well you don't understand you try to destroy or you try to you know this right, right. they were like what is this is this techno or whatever so yeah I mean there's a lot of evidence that people people as much as we think we want something new we really like what's familiar yeah totally man you know, you want the chords and you want, you know, to, right. we just you wanted, people sort of we wanted that, but yeah. we wanted it to have a different, like, aesthetic to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, if, like, we wore a suit, we're going to wear a suit, but we're going to dress it up with a different shoe mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. different cut, yeah. or maybe the jacket's going to look way bugged out. <laughs> but you're still rocking a suit. That's right. You know? So um, how do you bring that rebellion now? Uh, now that you're wiser and... And gone with, through that youthful uh, with the with keeping things quality not quantity strategic and making things that are really good yeah. that you can really tell like you know damn even if it's a track you can listen to it and go that's that's thought, there was thought put behind it it's not yeah. like you know I'm putting together you know sample packs and this and that and just you know you can tell when somebody puts their soul heart into something mm-hmm. I was telling somebody yesterday um, everything has soul in it. Techno is it's black. It's from sure. Detroit. You listen yeah. to good techno, you will hear soulfulness in there. Mm-hmm. Carl Craig does a record or they, you hear soulfulness. You don't hear soul music when somebody does it and it's not from the heart. Right. They're just putting it together because they, they're just slapping it on because they just want to get it done and they don't really know what they're doing. They're just right. doing it. Sure. So, um, I think being rebellious now more than ever in this in this day and age where there's so much music that is just 
watered down, mm -hmm. whitewashed, and just stale, yeah. is actually putting heart into your work. That's right now is rep rebellious you can get because nobody's doing it. Mm -hmm. They're just doing it without heart because they're, they're looking at this success of being the next this or the next that or the, you know the vanity the fame the whatever it is mm -hmm. that's it's they're, they're doing it for different reasons so yeah. I think like being rebellious now right now my, is having putting heart back into the music you know, which has never gone for me but mm -hmm. now it's like more apparent I'm making right. it more evident yeah. so I always try to make music with a purpose even if it's the smallest thing, to me, it, it means something. If yeah. somebody can decipher it, great. I don't want to tell people why I'm doing it because I think music should left, be left on to interpretation. Mm. You know? Yeah. But there's always a purpose why I'm doing it. I like that. Yeah. Where, I mean, we're here in Amsterdam. This city always um, inspires me. Just uh, there's something about the water, the canals, and the architecture. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, I love the just a young energy there's so many people here that they just come here like this is their first time leaving home yeah they're in Amsterdam they're going wild and like I just you know to me I feed off of that what what is you what's inspiring you right now outside of music food yeah chefs mm. um, that's inspiring to me I've been I've been like for the past few years I mean for what's funny I've been around that that world a lot since I started my career, but I was so young and naive to what I was exposed to. I had sure. no idea. Yeah, we don't appreciate food. We don't appreciate when it when you're Yeah. Nah. But um, I'm learning that they're just like us. And some, shit, they're some chefs are crazy. Like, they're artists. They're, yeah, they're artists. Yeah. They're, and they're nuts. Yeah. And I compared, it made me realize that I'm actually not that crazy. <laughs> you know? What's that? Give me I'm an like, example. Meaning. When you look at some of your favorite, our favorite artists, like yeah. right, whether it be painters or singers, poets, musicians, whatever, some are yeah. out of fucking minds, yeah. like for real. And I'm like, damn, I'm not really out of my mind. So am I that good? Well, you didn't cut your ear off. <laughs> yeah, so. like you, you think about it, you're like, damn. But um, food is inspiring to me because you know having the same sensory because you're putting something in your mouth that you mm -hmm. think looks like something, you pop it in, it tastes like something else. Music, you know, you can interpret that to music too. It's ingredients, how you how you structure, how you deconstructing something. Now I'm like, okay, I'm, I want to make a soulful record, but yeah. I don't want it to be just like a traditional soulful record. What am I gonna do to make it different? Which is difficult mm -hmm. to make it different. That it kind of it's a little bit more modern, but without intentionally being so right yeah. that I'm going over people's heads because that's what I did a long time is go over people's heads. Sure. So it's finding that balance. Yeah. But yeah, that's inspiring me. Um, it's hard to do. I mean, you you can if you're if you're behind the tables, you can see it when you go over people's heads, right? Because mm -hmm. they stop dancing. Yeah. I but mean, in the studio, that's much harder. Yeah. To to grasp, right? I remember playing Pasha. This is in Ibiza, like pre DFA, like you know James Murphy earlier mm -hmm. as a friend. And I remember mm -hmm. championing a lot of his records because to me it was like the reemergence of like you know ESG and like to me it was it's dance music live, yeah. you know live dance music. Sure. And I was into it. I'm like, this, there was a moment in time that I was really wanting to have more organic in house because. Um, at that time, there was a, a house music was really stale. That's what happened when you when something you, when the genre you're in doesn't inspire anymore. You start looking at other things yeah. to infuse to make it a little better. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people just don't. They're purists. They want even if it's bad, it's good. Like just right. stay in your lane. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember playing like a, it was, it was either like a DFA record or House of Jealous Lovers or something, mm -hmm. sort, which is the rapture. Mm -hmm. First time it happened to not play this, and, or just to kind of you want to end early by the manager, by the, the club, somebody the club. in the club. I can't yeah, remember yeah. who it was. Yeah. And I'm looking. I'm like, I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, in hindsight, when I think about it now, I get it. It's a house club, but they're not understanding that this is dance music. Right. You know, but I wasn't staying in, at that time in their lane. Sure. And it was scaring them. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Stuff like that happens, man. You know? Yeah. It's interesting shit. Um, back to, you know, you're talking about starting out and, and just the, the drive, the hustle, mm -hmm. T-shirts, being at the studio, being in the clubs, you know, doing kind of whatever it takes. Uh, where do you see that with, with youngsters coming up today? Do you, do you see do you see examples of that, that type of hustle? Um... Yes and no. I think it's a lot less, to be mm -hmm. honest. And I'm not criticizing because I it, my time is different. Sure. We just had less. We had to be there. So, right. like, for example, if you wanted to make music, you really wanted to make music. So you either had to invest in studio time, right. which was expensive, or you had to invest in hardware, mm -hmm. which was expensive. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you can just do it. Yeah. So it's a different now. But I think kids also... Their hustle, they're holding the future in their hands. Mm -hmm. The career is on the, in their hands, which is their phones. Yeah. And they rely on that more than anything else, yeah. even more than talent, to figure out how they're going to achieve that hustle or that goal. So sure. they're, not, they're not putting in time into the craft mm -hmm. or the history or anything. They're just literally holding this, their career in their hands and going, okay, how do I amplify my optics right. how do I figure out this algorithm how do I do this how do I get more likes how do I get more this how do I get more that how do I look like I'm looking like I'm successful before sure. I'm successful yeah. it's all like this false narrative 100% and that is that's weird to me you know well, it's interesting, but they're rewarded for it, right? Like, oh, totally. And, yeah. You know, definitely if you look at hip hop right now, like you have to be in memes. I don't know if you have to be, but that's a lot yeah, of yeah, cats are coming up, yeah. right? By just having something that hits a meme that, you know, and that's just part of your. It goes viral and, really, and, it, yeah, yeah. and it's like hand in hand with the music, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, is there, you know, as much as these guys can learn from you. Um, what, what are you learning from them? Uh, there's a lot I learned from, from younger artists. I think uh, there's, and you can tell, I hear some young artists when they're making records and they're not really, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I hear that innocence again. And I like that. Yeah. Like that. Okay, you don't, you really don't know what you're doing, but you got, you figured something out. Yeah. And you hear that rawness of a record that I may forgot the rawness. I'm like, because I, I know how to do different I produce in different ways so sure. I'm like damn 
I should simplify again. I should just, you know, maybe not compress so much, or maybe do this, or maybe compress more. Mm -hmm. Like, or just destroy that kiss, or that yeah. kick, and, or, you know, beef up my harmonic. Like, you start thinking, like, damn, man, or less is more. Right. Why am I using so much? So, you know, I get inspired a lot by young kids, because, you know, and, 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 so, and a lot of them is with, you know, with the dolls, you know, they dive into shit that, you know, I necessarily would stay away from it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and learn new tricks, you know. So I get inspired by the youth for sure. You know, I, I still think I'm fucking I'm that old, you know. So, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm, but it's I'm older than them. Yeah, I'm not 16 20. or not 20 16, coming yeah. up. Right. Yeah, 16, man, when you're that young and you have that world in your hand, I look at them like, man, you guys can do anything. Yeah. Stop looking at your phone yeah. or thinking about that and yeah. you know go dive in into the into the music and just put your some put your time in yeah. they, they, these kids look at a year now like 10 years and right. it is true because technology has made it that way like For now sure. one week is is one month right. one month is three months three months is six months and it's just changing yeah. like people are planning ADE next year right For now sure. Yeah. Like we're in AD and they're like, yo, next year, da da da, da it's like closes but like it's nuts. Yeah. I don't remember it ever being that way, where you're planning mm -hmm. already for another event and you're mm -hmm. in that event that's close and, and they're selling tickets. So right, right. now you turn on your phone like, All right, yeah. tickets for next year of this party A D on sure. sale now, pre sale. You yeah. don't even know who you're going. It's <laughs> brand based. For sure. It's not artist-driven anymore. Yep. Everything is brand-based. Yep. You're investing in brands, or you want to go just because of the brand. Now the mm -hmm. brands are more important than the artists, mm -hmm. which is a whole that's a whole other thing. So the labels want to say they're behind the artists, but sure. at the end of the day, they're just they want to amplify their brand. It's about their brand. Right. You know? Yeah, which I mean, you know, I I kind of get both sides of it. Yeah. Right. Like I get it too. For me. You know, there's just so much choice out there for in everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, even even this town, I used to come here ten years ago and there was like there's like two good places to eat. Yeah. And the rest was trash. Now there's like good food. Every every yeah. city you go to there's good food, right? Yeah, yeah, it's changed. Every time you grab your phone there's more music than you could ever listen to in your life. And so the the task of finding something is just more complicated than it used to be. Anything, right? Um, and so brands help us do that, right? If, yeah. I, if I look to, you know, Armada, I, I kind of know what I'm getting. Yeah. Give or take. I, I, I totally hear what you're saying, and I get it. Totally, because we grew up with brands and clothing, like, you know, you For know sure. this, that, you know, polo, mm -hmm. or Echo, yeah. whatever, you know, Ding Dong School, you know. <laughs> Rave clothing. That's right. But you, but you knew what you were getting, right? Yeah. But then there were other brands that weren't based on the culture that became like the polo. They weren't for hip hop, but they became sure. that, right? Because it was the culture forced it that way. Yeah. When you look at labels like Sony or XL or Parlophone or any of those labels, so when you think of XL, they're not going this is XL festival no. but no but XL has an Adele they have the Prodigy right. they have Bradley yeah, Boy they have sure. all this, this they curate artists but it's not about them mm -hmm. you know they're not mm -hmm. selling their brand they're selling their artists they're marketing their artists so I get it it's a different spectrum different sure. but an XL start like that right. 12 inch label doing drum and bass and you know really happy hardcore break beats and evolved yeah. to what it became 
So I think they evolved to where they became because they weren't just invested in themselves. They were also invested in the artists. Right. That's why they evolved to become who they are. I know? also think it's a different, like, on the one side it's about minimizing risk, right? Meaning, like, kind of what you were saying before, like, if, if everything kind of sounds the same, well, then if you like one, you're probably going to like the rest of it. Yeah. But now, is any of it going to really move you and challenge you and take you out of your comfort zone? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. Because that's not what they're, you know. <clears throat> you're right, but, but. So they're playing it safe, kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, but what happens is, yeah. But what happens is the labels, I think, wind up feeling that they're more important than the artists. Sure. And that's the problem. So here we are, they, you know, they'll go, they have this brand and event, and they have this lineup, but at the end of the day, they're looking at themselves going, it's about, did they want to yeah. say it's about the, the, the artists that are playing, but really it could be anybody there. I mean, I think there's a saying, I might be making this up, that like success has a thousand fathers, right? So like everybody sees that it's them, the yeah. artist, the manager, the label, the... Yeah, it's me, you know, it's me, no, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, everyone thinks it's them that made it happen, whatever. And, you know, there's some truth to all of that, mm -hmm. but um, but we're in an industry that likes to overplay that. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. It's true. Okay, I guess that's my own personal viewpoint. So, but you have a label, mm -hmm. and you've had labels yeah. throughout your career, so how do you approach, what's your approach? Artist, yeah. I don't, I don't A and R it. Like, it's funny when people ask me for records, and it's, it's so interesting. And I had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine, and they're like, <clears throat> and it's from like the label owned A and R guy. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yo, we love what you do. Give us a record. You give him a record. Yeah, but we wanted to sound more <laughs> like this. You're like, okay, but I just gave you what you you yeah. came to me for a record. For sure. Like, so. What I'm trying to say is, like, if I'm painting a picture and I'm, I'm an artist and I have a white canvas and I'm stroking some strokes, how are you going to take the brush out of my hand and then start painting it, but you want a painting from me? I don't I don't understand it. So what I do to, to, to um, younger artists that they send me demos, either I like it or I don't like it. Mm -hmm. If I kind of like it and I'm like, I think... Uh, it's too long or it's, it's a simple suggestion, maybe just, you know edit this like but I don't do any creative input because I want them to be who they are I can't tell them how to make their music right. you know then I'm yeah. doing it sure. and a lot of a and do that like tell them oh you should do this I'm like you can make it like you know so that's one way around my label where yeah. I don't tell who's who I'm releasing music how to make their music right. that's why I'm signing it because they made it you know yeah I mean I feel like that's a great I mean I love that approach I think that um, that works really well for some artists, yeah. and some artists need the help, right? Yeah. And, you know, I met, so in the 90s, I was a manager, and I used to meet, you know, I was in L.A., in, in hip-hop, and I used to meet, I met 10 guys who told me they did all these, you know, these records for Dr. Dre. Yeah. They're like, you know, Dre's name is on it, but it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 10 different guys, and they, and they were all telling the truth, mm -hmm. right, as far as I know. Um, but you'd hear their demos and they weren't good. They didn't sound like Dre's shit. Like, sounds, the, like right? you finished, yeah. And, and so, so, you know, you learned what Dre did. He may not have written those first notes, yeah. right? But he took somebody's stuff that was pretty good, good and made it what we heard on the records. But that's different. 
because that's production on, on a level of like, it's like Quincy Jones, Rod Temperton. For sure. You know, that, right. on that level caliber. Yeah. I'm not going to, if I'm just signing these records, I'm not going to co-produce it and this and then go and put my, that's, that's more in depth sure. where, yeah. where you should, these kids, you should give them some pointers, right. you know, but yeah, Dre's at a point in a level where he needs a factory of, mm-hmm. of producing and he perfects it later and then they get For the sure. publishing. I right. think that and that and that mental totally. Yeah, and all these A and R guys you're talking about, they're not Dr. Dre either. No, so yeah. We're we're living it. in a world like you should you, you should be able to make these tracks right. and just, you know, do it and not Yeah. It's it's not I'm not saying I'm not I'm saying it's easy. It's okay. not, it's not rock, you know. It's nah, I get it. But yeah, these you know, they don't they wind up I've had A and R's literally saying, You should change this for put this. I don't like the smell change that move this drop move, and like man you're you're making them like you're doing this mm-hmm. then do it yourself right. you should make records actually because right. then I you know <laughs> sure. and that's what that's that's what I that's what I think is funny I think A&Ring is all it's always good to help the artist yeah. but I think it's good to help them shine better instead of trying to force you on them mm-hmm. so if I was working on producing a band I'm not going to change the band I'm just right. going to enhance them and make them make what they already do good better mm-hmm. but I'm not going to change their aesthetic or what you know how you know you know what I'm saying yeah. like really nah, get add too much of me to sure. them because then it's, it becomes me mm-hmm. it's not really what right. they're about if you're enjoying this one let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives check out my interview last year with Louis Vega another one of the godfathers of house music uh, Louis has so many great stories to tell and and you know another guy who just I appreciate his whole uh, way of going at it so I hope you dig that one too so besides the music what do you look for in an artist that to know you want to work with them on a long term is definitely the x factor me and like yo you're a beast like if i if there's a kid (laughs) that um you know is like um, bananas yeah a kid that's really like yo you see that potential that you want to nurture and you help you totally you know, bring them under my wing and help them. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I, I like doing that. And I love doing that. You know, but there's far and few between. And you find some kids sure. really like. You know. Um, of course, I mean, you got to be protective of your time and resources. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in this day. And age. For sure. But um, but usually I just, if I like it and I play it, I'll put it out. Yeah. And I make it as easy as possible for the for the artist. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like put it out you know there's some options for release dates whatever I'm working on a new project right now with a friend of mine with Demure something collectively hopefully two other people I think it's one of the first times that a, a group of real individual DJs and producers get together and do something nice and You're not walk, gonna tell me what it is. walk the walk and talk the talk meaning like 
truly support the artists that we bring in. Oh, cool. Put them on the events for real, for real. Not like, oh, we will. Right, put you right, down. Right. And then, you know. Got you not, on at 8 o'clock or something. Yeah, or, or not get them on at all. Like, oh, wow. Like, do a party in their city yeah. and not invite the younger kids that are from there to play. Yeah. You know, so we're doing something. Um, I think the kids don't realize one of the, the really disconnects right now back in. <laughs> uh, one of the disconnects between the street kids now that they don't know is that this music is theirs. Sure. Like house music, techno is theirs. It's black, Puerto Rican, it's from the streets, it's creating techno is from Detroit, and they don't know this. So there's that disconnect. But if they realize this, they claim ownership. That's why Connie looks like a genius when he samples a house record. Like, oh, this motherfucker's a genius because they don't know where it comes from. No, I mean, I I had Kenny Larkin on the show not that long ago. Yeah. You know, love Kenny. Me too. And but you know, he talks about like he he considers himself and his uh, guys he came up with. They're like the Little Richards, right? Yeah. That that started to sound and then immediately, in their case, immediately got co-opted by, by you know white, white producers, beans. white. Um, promoters mm-hmm. all of that right and you know brought it back to the world as this white thing um, which is it, it's if you look at the pattern of musical sure. history right kind of what happens in everything yeah house music same thing yeah rock music same thing right yeah. it's, it's just it is what it is for sure so we acknowledge that now I'm not trying to fight it mm-hmm. it is what it is all we gotta do is now re-expose we're in a, we gotta use what we have in our resources now is technology and information and just feed it back to these kids so yeah. they learn. Yeah. I was getting my hair cut the other day and and and, and uh, not my normal barber. It's the other dude. So it was really, it's funny because real quick, I was taking my girl to get her hair cut into a place where she wasn't normally go to. So I was like, she was all like tensed up. I'm like, just don't worry about it. Just cut your hair. <laughs> it's not that simple for girls, right? Yeah, so she went in and I'm like, I had time. Like, let me go find, you know, because I was going on a trip. Let me go find somebody real quick to do me. I found a spot. And I go in, and I started feeling like her. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then, anyway, it was uncomfortable. Right. Lo and behold, they're playing music, and then Robin S. comes on. Show me love. And there's there's brothers, like two, two black kids. Mm-hmm. kids, maybe in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Come in here, and he's like, yo, this is the jam. I'm like, I'm just listening Crystal Water comes on I guess whatever playlist that yeah. was it was his mm-hmm. and it, before that it was like Chance the Rapper this and that uh, Run the Jewels you okay. know it was it was eclectic yeah. I'm like, you got, y'all like this and he's like yo this is the shit man I know I was listening to them. then he's like I was listening to more of Robin S and she had dope records and I'm like wow they had no idea they're like yeah man this is Europe stuff this is us this right. is you know yeah. techno is black it comes from Detroit and for sure. like, nah for real yeah, and I'm just not trying to educate and not, not trying to be preachy and right. just talk have barbershop talk in for a sure. way where they're like yo and they're looking at me like who's who the fuck who are you and why do you know this shit and then I didn't tell them any information but um, it was good to see that happening because that opens up the conversation yeah. and I think like a panel next year in AD should be a panel like that 
where you open up the conversation between, you know, and yeah. it's hard maybe to do that here. Maybe it should be done in the States. Sure. Because I mean, how is this going to resonate for from sure. there? Yeah, yeah, you know, so something. Right. Yeah, yeah, ultra, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and an artist, anything artists need to, you know, acknowledge that to think hip house. Hip house needs to come back. Here too. They need you to know? hear. Um, you say hip house needs to come back? For sure. Yeah, why not? Yo, yeah. think about it. When I was growing up, and I had this conversation with somebody from 300 in New York's company, mm-hmm. a friend of mine yeah, that he's seen a lot. He was at Def Jam, so and we mm-hmm. had this conversation, and I pinpointed something. He was like, "You're right." When I was growing up, every hip hop artist at the time had a club yeah. joint on the yeah. record. Oh yeah. You know, you had uh, Queen Latifah coming mm-hmm. to my house. How do I love thee? Yeah. Craig G turned his house into mm-hmm. a home. Special Ed, this is for the club scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tropical Quest, Black is Black. Even the DOC had a, 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 a club joint. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm going to look for that one. Dude. more than just did house but you had right. MC Light house power yep. I mean we can go on, yeah. on and on and on well yeah because at the time it was club music club right? music but what happened was the connection to the gay culture that they turned their back on for sure 100% and I asked them like you think that's what it was you being a label guy at that time in right. it in the, yeah. de- in the in the trenches of, of that time he was like absolutely they were scared Right. So they had to detach themselves from that aesthetic or that thing because they were making hip hop. You can't have a, it. It's just a connection to house music being gay. It was mm-hmm. like, nah. Sure. I mean, it was the same thing with rock and disco, right? Yeah, yeah. Or soul and disco. You know, shit that went down in Detroit and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny, funny, funny stuff. But um, it was working and it was happening. It was a movement. It was, yeah. it was definitely something amazing. Yeah. You know, look at Jungle Brothers mm-hmm. and Todd. You know, For sure. Tough fuck. That's crazy. We mm-hmm. can have 20 million of those. We got more Robin S's. We have more Crystal Waters. You know? So, bring it back. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll try. I'm, we're ready. All we can do is <laughs> try to do it. You know. Hey, I, you uh, you mentioned your girl, so I read that y'all are getting married. Yeah, next year. Um, so, important question: Who's DJing the wedding? Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, at, yeah, exactly. Whoever comes that's there that it that wants to grace the desk decks will okay. I know like you know everybody's down to do it so yeah. you know I'm sure it's gonna be I'm gonna have I mean for a guy like you that's not an easy that's yeah. not a simple choice no but I mean like there's good open it up to friends open it up to friends yeah. and people bring USBs and have fun that's and, cool. it's, and let's have a good time you know yeah yeah if, if we get there you know I kind of want it to be organic I was married once before I'm divorced okay and um my, uh, I want this one to be a little bit more meaningful than, and I'm not to say my last one wasn't meaningful. It yeah, just was a different. Yeah, I was in a different place in my life. For sure. And it was, it was more of a party. Yeah. Then it was like you know, should I remember uh-huh. the wedding? And I'm not sure. That's right. Yeah. So. Ah, that's cool. So she's in Portugal right now. Actually, she was here. She came. She left yesterday. She she'll be back tomorrow morning. Oh, nice. To go see her grandmother. Yeah. And also look at places. Oh, We're cool. We're gonna get married. Oh, nice. 
Um, what, what's, what are you most excited about next? Um, I'm excited for the next five years of this phase of my career okay. at this time. I'm, okay. I'm excited about what's about to happen, what's about to come. Um, I'm going to work on another album, okay. which the last one I did was on Armada, actually, called Under the Influence. And how, and most people don't know when I did that record. Most of most, and it, it's my our our fault, all of our faults that we get influenced by things that are outside of our realm. Like I'm influenced by Trevor Horn and Prince. someone like Trevor Horn and stuff but you start saying all this stuff that is kind of out of your reach mm -hmm. or out of your realm really right that are your inspiration and I realized before I started my last album that all my influences have been around me the whole time they come over my house mm. they hang out they have, we break bread we talk yeah. about music and it's my friends Ty Kenny like you take it for granted, you know, that sure. these people are, you know, your friends now. Right, right. And when I was growing up, they weren't my friends. They were like my people I admired. Right. They were my Trevor Horns. Yeah. They were, you know, my Rod Tepperton's, mm -hmm. you know, for real. And right. then you become friends with them and somehow you, oh, you it gets lost along the way. And then, you know, you revert back to like, oh man, Quincy Jones and this and that. And then you're like, yeah, they're amazing, but right. you're amazing, Todd. Fuck. And then we would go, I realized we would hang out in my house and we started listening to a soul freestyle records that he produced. They did the shit that I love. And we get, he starts dancing, we get inspired. I'm like, damn, this is my influence. And so I did a whole record based around all of that. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Basically paying homage to my friends. Yeah. That was what Under the Influence was. Dope. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, I have a quick lightning round before I let you go. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Spain. Who's your favorite DJ? Derek Carter. Um, what's the last great book you read? Um, Motley Crue the Dirt. Oh, shit. Okay. What movie have you seen the most in your life? Purple Rain. <laughs> That's a great movie, man. We, I watched it again, like, last, <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah. Um, you ever wake up with a song playing in your head? Yes. What's the last one you can remember? It was, um... Oh, man. It was just recently. I can't remember the title now, but it was some, it was like some, some pop record that was just like on. Yeah. It, it, usually that happens with the most annoying song. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's yeah, not it's like, like a song that you, you know. Like. It's like you know Demi Lovato. It's like <laughs> something. Yeah. What's the last thing you stole? Oh, damn! For real? Um, uh, uh, I didn't steal it. But kind of thing. So I was at Home Depot. They gave me. This, I was trying to buy. I was changing my hardware for my cabinets. Uh -huh. And so the guy gave me. He just broke open a patch and he just gave me. You know, 
was I needed one. He just gave it to me. But that's, that's cool. technically stealing. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. That's friendly, though. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> got to be that way. You got to do your fucking thing. Right. Thank you. Um, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Uh, good morning. Would you have coffee? How's your day? Just keep it moving. Nice. Just, you know, shit like yeah. that. That's cool. Junior, thanks, man. I appreciate you oh, doing man, thank this. Thank you. This is dope. It's great. Um, anytime you come to L.A., if there's anything you need, Yo, we got yeah, you. Yeah, let's break some bread. Yeah, for sure. 100%. For sure. Dope. Yeah, that was Junior Sanchez live from ADE on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you leave us a comment. Uh, a five-star review on iTunes wouldn't hurt. We appreciate that. Um, go ahead and subscribe make sure you're getting all of our episodes if you're not already subscribed but if you're not I'm not really sure how you got this one anyway you can also reach out to us on Twitter on Facebook we love to hear from you Uh, all of those are at Rebel Radio Net and we got videos of a lot of our episodes showing up on YouTube at Rebel Radio Net most importantly come back next week for more Rebel Radio peace peace